So Galatians 5, starting at verse 13, we're going to read through to verse 25. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbour as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will, be, you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Amen. Keep your Bibles open in Galatians. We're going to move to chapter 6. And uh, we're, we're going to focus today on verses 7 through to 10. Uh, through, sorry, 6. Galatians chapter 6, starting at verse 6 through to 10. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We are not a rural congregation, but many of us have a country background, and a lot of us are gardeners, and so we all understand the principle, a man reaps what he sows. We also know that oh, Australia, certainly, and everywhere, I guess, there are many vagaries that get in the way between sowing and reaping. You know, uh, this year, the farmers in New South Wales and Victoria had a fantastic rainfall during their sowing season, and we're expecting a bumper crop. But now, of course, many are threatened by plagues of locusts. Just recently, it's been raining again, flooding, in fact, so that the, uh, the wheat, barley, canola, chickpea and lupin harvest are all threatened. 
and many farmers are going to lose a heap of their their um, what they sowed. It's really tough being a farmer. But still, sowing and reaping are connected, aren't they? If you don't sow, you won't reap. You've got to sow the right kind of seed. There's no point sowing lupins if what you want is wheat. You've got to sow good quality seed, not the seed that's been rotting in the bin for the last, you know, throughout the winter. New good quality seed. You've got to sow uh, abundantly, not a seed here and a seed there, but lots of seed to get lots of fruit. It's not, it's not the reaping that determines the quality of the, of the harvest. You know, um, you may have the most advanced technology, the, the best equipment you can get when it comes to reaping. But if your sowing hasn't been useful, then you'll reap badly. Sowing determines the fruit, not so much the reaping. We all understand that saying, don't we? A man reaps what he sows. And we all understand it when it's applied to other parts of our lives. You know, it applies to our business life, our finances, our character, our family life. But in Galatians 6, Paul takes that analogy, the analogy that we all understand, and he applies it in a very striking context. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. In agriculture, you can't absolutely guarantee that sowing leads to reaping. Drought, too much rain, locusts. In finance, you can't guarantee that sowing leads to reaping. The building society will go bust. Your uh, business will go bankrupt. But here in this place, we have an absolute guarantee of the connection. Paul is talking about a certainty. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. This is made absolutely, absolutely sure by God. A man reaps what he sows. That's the central principle. Verse 7. And what Paul does in this passage from verses 6 to 10, he takes this central principle, a man reaps what he sows, and makes three applications of it. So what I'd like to do is today is to examine that central principle and then look at the three applications that Paul makes. I find this central principle extremely sobering. We do all our sowing before God. And God guarantees that what we sow, we will reap. And God will not be mocked in the working out of this principle. This word mocked, it's actually only used here in the New Testament. And it means to turn the nose up, to... Uh, look with, look down, despise what you are mocking. How can God be despised? I think there are two ways in which God is despised, two main ways in which God is despised. The first way 
is when people make light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second way is when people ignore God's call to live a holy life. Rejecting the gospel, ignoring God's law. Gospel and law, these are the two places where people are most likely to despise God, to mock God. Well, what does that, what does that actually look like? What would it actually look like to despise God in these ways? Well, let me just give you a couple of examples. Have you heard and understood the gospel of Jesus Christ, but you've ignored it? It's just been like water off a duck's back. You just want to put it off. You don't want to think about it. If you have heard and understood the gospel but not believed it, not responded to it, not changed your life because of it, then hear this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You will reap what you sow. Or perhaps another example, you, you are a regular churchgoer, which I guess is probably true for most of you, and you and everyone else sees you as Christian, but tomorrow your life will be very different from what it is, from what you present today. You have a secret sin that you want no one to know about, but God knows and he will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. You know that the Lord is calling you to obey him in this part of your life. But you don't want to give up your independence. You don't want to give up your self-determination. But God knows, and he will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. You see, here's the point of this general principle. You do all your sowing before God. Other people may think that you're... You're sowing, you're, you're, you're doing well, you're sowing faithfully. God knows your heart truly. He knows how things really are in your life and God cannot be mocked. You may be sowing with poor seed and you may be getting away with it and everyone thinks you're doing fine. But God knows. And one day he himself will bring in your harvest and how will it go with you then? What will be the final result of your sowing today, next week, in the year ahead? Well, I find that an extremely sobering general principle. But now to put some legs on it, to let, let's think about the three applications that Paul makes in this passage. The first application is found in verse 6. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. So here's someone receiving some instruction in the word, in the gospel, in, in, in the message of the Christian, in the Christian faith. And the person who's being instructed should sow well by sharing good things with his instructor. So you kids who go to kids club or the branch, uh, share your chocolates with Chris and Amy and with uh, Reuben, Peter and Kaz. 
Now, I suspect that a lot of pastors are a bit hesitant to preach on this passage, you know, <laughs> because it can be applied to supporting the work of the church and ultimately supporting the work of the pastor. But today is my last Sunday as the pastor of this church, so I can speak freely. Uh, uh, you know, one of these uh, after today, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be uh, another person in this church supporting the work of this ministry here. And so I can speak about it easily. And actually, furthermore, it's not the pastor, it's not, it's not the instructor who's doing the reaping here. It's not actually, a com the command is to the person being instructed. One way to sow good seed is to help provide for the teaching of God's word. It's a good investment. It is a good investment, that is, if that teaching is faithful, if it is useful. You will reap what you sow. And if you actively support the teaching of God's word in your local church, it'll bring a harvest in your life, in the life of your children, in the life of all those who are touched by it. Here is one way of thinking about your support of your local church. It's an investment that will bear fruit when the harvest is taken in. There's a second application of this key principle of sowing and reaping, and it's found in verse 8. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So Paul's recalling the theme of the warfare between the spirit and the sinful nature. Alan read about it in chapter 5, verses 13 to 25 earlier. Every Christian has this conflict happening. If your life is easy, conflict-free, if you don't have any stress regarding how you should obey God, then maybe the spirit's not actually working in your life. Remember how Paul speaks of it in 5.17. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. What you want is to obey God. But you find that the sinful nature is constantly uh, a barrier to doing that perfectly. So are we just... You know, the unhappy victims of a conflict between two alien forces that are, that are fighting each other within us? Are we just, do we just have to sort of suffer this conflict? No, of course not. What, what Paul is emphasizing here is that the outcome of that conflict depends on your attitude to the sinful nature and your attitude to the Spirit. Your life is like a block of land with two fields in it, to continue the agricultural analogy. Two fields. You know, one field where you can sow is the sinful nature. The other field where you can sow seed is the Spirit. You can only reap what you sow. Can you expect to reap the fruit of the Spirit if you spend all your time sowing in the field 
of the sinful nature. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let's think about those two kinds of sowing. You know, sowing to the sinful nature, sowing to the Spirit. The sinful nature, it's, it's that, 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 that indwelling sin that remains in us, that is in conflict with the Spirit. It remains in us after our conversion to Christ. And in chapter 5 of Galatians, Paul commands us to crucify the sinful nature, to put it to death, to actively oppose it. Uh, Paul calls us to be violent, to kill, to crucify, to, to oppose the sinful nature. The Christian life is not just a passive time of receiving things. It is an active time of being violent against sin. To sow to the sinful nature is the opposite of crucifying the sinful nature. It means to, to pander to our sin, to, to cuddle it, to love it, to make room for it, to stroke it instead of crucifying it. And it's, it's just a step-by-step -step thing. Every time you harbour a grudge or nurse a grievance or go over and over an impure fantasy or wallow in self-pity, you are sowing to the sinful nature. Every time you linger in a bad situation that's going to really affect you, Every time you read pornographic literature, every time you cheat your boss just that little bit by not working for the hours that you're, you're employed to, every time you just decide not to go to church because you just don't feel like it, you just can't be bothered, then you are sowing to the sinful nature. If you sow to the sinful nature every day, are you going to reap holiness? If you sow to the sinful nature every day, will the Holy Spirit grow in you a, the wonderful harvest of spiritual fruit? No, you, you are sowing in the wrong field. Paul says, what you will reap is destruction. Now there is another kind of sowing. The other kind of sowing is to sow to the Spirit. To sow to the Spirit is the same as living by the Spirit in chapter 5, verse 16 in what Alan read. It's the same as keeping in step with the Spirit in verse 23, verse 25. Live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, sow to the Spirit. They're expressing the same thing. It, it's this, this idea of investing in the ways of the Spirit, directing your energy, your goals, Spending, carefully sowing your seed, which is your seed, you know, your, your resources, your energy, your time, your commitments, your choices. Sowing them for the sake of the 
fruit that the Spirit is going to grow in your life. It's to have a ministry mindset. It's to think about life in terms of what you can give to God, what you can give to others, rather than what you can take and receive for yourself. Sowing seed to the Spirit means uh, will lead to harvesting spiritual fruit in your life and in the lives of others and bringing praise and honour to God. And this is the way. This is the way to build up treasure in heaven. Invest your energy, invest your commitments into sowing to the Spirit. And so the question is, what, what's it going to look like for you to sow your seed to the Spirit? How can you make a positive investment of your life into the ways of God, the ways of the Spirit? What will it mean for the way that you will spend the coming year? How will things change for you? Remember, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. Now, you're thinking, maybe you're thinking, man, this is such bad news. Um, maybe you're an older, well, not many people are older like me, but, but this is what you have to look forward to. <laughs> if you're an older person, you look back on your life and you, there are things that you regret. You know, there are things that you wince over when you look back. And you say, I, I wish that I'd done better at this. I wish I'd done that. I wish I hadn't done this. Uh, you look back and you realize you've not sown your seeds as well as you could have done. Does that mean that you're just doomed? You know, to, you're just doomed to reap a thin, uh, poor harvest with very little to show for your Christian life? Many of you are young. You're looking ahead. How are you going to sow your seed? What's God calling you to? God does not ever encourage us to look back with regret. He always invites us, no matter if you're old or young, He always invites us to look forward, be people of faith who look forward rather than back. People who look for ways who can sow now and into the future. No matter what your situation is, no matter how poorly you have sown in the past, God is calling you to choose to sow better from now on, to invest yourself more faithfully, more consistently in God's service, in making a real difference in, you, in other people's lives. You know, you stand before God now. This is where you are before God right now. This particular point in your history and God hold you accountable for how you sow right now. God is always gracious and forgiving. The past does not need to haunt you. God loves you. He forgives you in Christ. You can make faithful decisions now. You can sow well now and leave the harvest to God.
Well, Paul makes one third, uh, one final, the third application of the general principle of sowing and reaping in verses 9 and 10. So the first application was in the area of sowing God's word. The second application was in the area of sowing actions and deeds, either in the, the field of the spirit or the field of the sinful nature. The third application concerns the sowing of good works, sown into the lives of other people in the community and first within the family of believers, but also beyond the church into the wider community. Verses 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. There will be a due season for reaping, says verse 9. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. But the season right now is a season for sowing. It's an opportunity. Uh, verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Here is the perspective to have on our lives. God has given us this season, this opportunity right now to sow good works, good deeds into the lives of other people. Grab the opportunity. God will provide a reaping time. Now, Paul, Paul's, Paul's realistic. You know, Paul, Paul knows from his own experience that this is often hard work. Verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good. It, it is very possible to lose heart, to grow weary, to just give up seeking to sow good seed into the lives of others. And it's especially the case if you think that your work is just fruitless. There's no point to it. You just, it, 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 it will not lead to anything. And so Paul reminds us that that kind of work is not in vain. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You will reap what you sow. And if you sow well, you will reap well you may not actually see anything of the harvest here in this life, but the Lord will crown faithful sowing with a harvest. You will reap well. Why? Because God guarantees it. Because God guarantees it. The perfect case of sowing well and reaping abundantly is in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Earlier I, I referred to this, that passage in John chapter 12 where Jesus said, uh, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now, what I didn't mention before was that Jesus actually goes on. He actually, in the same breath, he actually goes on and applies that to, to us, to those who are his disciples. In the very next verse, he goes on to say, the man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who loses his life 
in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. Do you see what Jesus is calling us to? He's calling us to sow, to invest, to give up our lives, just as he did. And he promises that the Father will honour those who do so. Here is just another way of calling us to take up our cross and follow him. Here is another way of commanding us to remember that we might gain the whole world, but if we lose our soul, we gain nothing. Here is another way of reminding us that what we reap, what we sow, we will reap. So let's, let's determine to sow well from now on. We've seen that Paul suggests three ways that we can sow well right now. First of all, be involved in sowing God's word. Do that directly by sharing the gospel. Do that indirectly by supporting the work of your local church. Second, do not sow your wild oats in the field of the sinful nature, but sow good seed to the Spirit. Invest in God's plans. Keep in step with the Spirit and you will reap good spiritual fruit in your own life and in the lives of others. And thirdly, do not grow weary and lose heart in sowing good deeds into the lives of others, especially those who belong to the family of believers. At the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. The basic principle, God cannot be mocked, you will reap what you sow. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's a massive challenge to careless sowing. But it's also a huge incentive for faithful sowing. God guarantees the harvest. That is the most certain pledge of all. Shall we come to God in prayer? Our gracious Father in heaven, none of us have sowed seed perfectly. We've all to some extent been slipshod in the way we've invested in your plans and your purposes. But we have a perfect saviour who gave himself as the seed that must fall to the ground and die before it can give life to an abundant harvest. We thank you that because of his sowing work, because of the work of Jesus, none of us needs to be haunted by the imperfect work of our past. We can just count it all loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. We can strain ahead and press on to win the prize for which you have called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Help each of us to think about what that might mean for us in the days and the months and the years ahead. Thank you that this principle is not only a deep challenge but also a massive encouragement to sow carefully. It's a glorious promise that if we are careful and liberal and 
and copious in our sowing of good seed, you will guarantee an abundant harvest. We thank you for that prospect. In Jesus' name, amen.